I always believe that provision follows vision. If there is no vision, the provision runs away as well. Right. So my matter tells me that there are three types of people. Mm. They're visionary, they're organizers, and they're implementers. Mm -hmm. And one of the mistakes that people make is that they try to be what they're naturally not. Mm. And they push so much that they neglect their very strength. My career should not just be about giving me money, mm -hmm. but it should be about having an impact on the, in the lives of people. When you learn, it keeps you busy. But the things that you learn never go in vain. Mm. Apart from the vision, I believe another reason why we fail, sometimes we give up too quickly. Mm. Well, visionaries see a lot, but they're not very good at implementation. Mm -hmm. Organizers take the vision and they organize it in such a way that implementers can implement it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome and thank you for joining on Bonded Growth again. My name is Mark Allen and I'm your host. And today I have a very special privilege of hosting someone that I've been wanting to host for quite a minute. He's also a podcaster. He's, he's an international officer at this point, so I like to tease on him because of the, the line of work that he's doing. He's a preacher, he's a great reader, a great friend, a, a, a coach, a mentor to me, someone that I consider and I give to a lot of respect. And we are very good friends and also biological brothers. Uh, help me welcome my friend and young brother, Zef Oze. Zef, how are you doing? Fine, thanks. Thanks for the very generous introduction. Just got a, out of precision here that uh, it's actually the other way around. You're my mentor. Well, what you mean, man? I mean, I, you, you don't you don't even realize the amount of stuff that I learn from you every single day, and uh, and I know this is a hot 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 podcast that we we have to record mm -hmm. in, in your stay in, in Dallas, where we we're recording here in, in our space in Arlington. I know there's a lot more that I wanted us to start to talk on and a lot more that I want us to discuss, but we definitely planned some more episodes together. Mm -hmm. Adam is not here with us today, unfortunately, because of scheduling and your short stay here, we, we were not able to get him. Well, let's let's dive into it and uh, let's get started. How mm -hmm. you doing? I'm doing all right. Very glad to be on Abounded growth podcast man it's so great and and i was just mentioning the beginning that you you're actually leading juhuni podcast so mm -hmm. what, what does that mean juhuni what does it stand for and what do you do on your podcast well juhuni is a, is a french podcast i'll say that uh we basically help individuals and teams get better mm -hmm. by helping them embrace learning and education we doesn't need to be necessarily formal but to just become better so at juni we help individuals and teams uh, reach their full potential so that's mainly what juni is about so when you talk about education does not have to be formal uh, can you expand on that a little bit well i believe everybody can get better in some way mm -hmm. and to get better in some way you've got to educate yourself mm -hmm. Formal education needed you to go to school, but uh, that's not who, uh, what I believe. Mm -hmm. I believe that as much as you need to get formal education, informal education can as well get you where you're going. You can learn through reading. You can learn through practice. You can learn by meeting with other people. And that's what we encourage at Juni. We encourage people to embrace all layers of learning mainly. Yes. And you, you, you're not just talking about uh, formal edu informal education mm -hmm. as something that you read in a book because 
you have a first-hand experience of using your informal education to change careers and start mm -hmm. something that you did not go to school for. You know, I want us to go back a little some to, to the very beginning of this uh, career journey. In Congo, you know, we have that privilege of having to choose a major in high school. And, and you go for electricity. At that point, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say I wasn't smart. I just wasn't, not, I was not focused <laughs> in school. That's, that's for sure. Uh, and I didn't like school at all. So you, you continue and you finish up with, with your degree in electricity. Then you start working and you're like, okay, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to be an engineer. Mm -hmm. How that, let's start talking about that, your journey to, to your engineering school and then the change of your career. Okay, I'll say first, first and foremost, we've grown up together, grew up in the same house. And you know that when we were still very little, I basically opened everything. Yeah, <laughs> you sure from did. From reports yeah. to new um, radios. Mm -hmm. I just opened everything because I had a passion of just learning how things function. Mm -hmm. So from the time I was very little, although we had all kind of crazy dreams, I want to be a pilot, I want to be this and that. <laughs> I don't know where that dream stopped, you know, but we all <laughs> wanted to be pilots. you remember that? Yeah, I do remember. And then at some point, mine was just that. I wanted to be a manson or a bricklayer. And I was like, no, that's not a good dream. <laughs> so I thought, okay, let me become an engineer. So mm. growing up, I always wanted to be an engineer. It was mm. something that I was passionate about. So when it came to the time of choosing my major in high school, mm. definitely that's what I went for. I did electricity to prepare me for the university education that I wanted to have. Mm. And then after that, we went together to Uganda. In fact, you went a little ahead of me, mm -hmm. and then I joined you. And then when you came to the U.S., um, after spending some little time in Kenya, I joined you in Kenya. Right. And that's where I, did, I took my bachelor's degree in, in telecommunication because I wanted to be an engineer. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, that was in the year 2015. In the year 2016, I returned home. And mm -hmm. as you said, I, I am in Christian ministry. Mm -hmm. I got involved in ministry for quite a number of years, I believe two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And later, when I wanted to go back into the marketplace, I realized that I was not going to be as efficient on the marketplace if I went back to engineering. Although that, that was something that I loved, that was a passion, mm -hmm. I felt inclined to go more into helping others with their call to be and engineering wasn't going to do it for me back in the Congo. So how how did that play out for you? You 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 have this dream that you've held dear for your whole life mm -hmm. pretty much from the time you you your conscious and all of a sudden you feel like this is not what I want to do anymore. How did that decision point play for you? Was it something hard to move from since you had already spent three and a half years just studying engineering? And I know uh, the school in Kenya, uh, Kabarak, was not was not an easy university to, to go to because uh, uh, the, the, the standards were way too high and they, they were trying to enforce a lot of things. How did that play out? What was going on in your mind at that point? I can say it was one of the hardest decisions to ever make. But how did I come to that point where it's thought, well, this is no longer what I want to do? Mm. 
is that when I came out of university, I graduated with honors and I, and I really succeeded in my academics. Mm. So when I, when I got out of it, one thing drove me. I wanted to get a job, wanted to apply whatever thing I learned in university. Mm. And then I get into two and a half years to three years of full-time Christian ministry. And during that time, I got to participate in two fellowships mm-hmm. that taught leadership. Right. And I was the Young African Leadership Initiative, YALI in acronym. Mm-hmm. And I got to participate in a leadership training, both in Nairobi and here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming out of that training thinking differently. And I thought, my career should not just be about giving me money. Mm-hmm. But it should be about having an impact on the in the lives of people. Mm-hmm. So the shifts happened during the two and a half year of Christian ministry, mm-hmm. where I thought I needed contact with people, mm-hmm. so I can help them become who they are called to be. Mm-hmm. And I started learning. I started learning things that I couldn't. Well. I didn't go to school for it. Mm-hmm. I, got, I, got, I got a job as, a, as an executive assistant, and I, will, I started writing a lot of training on leadership. Mm-hmm. And that's when the shift happened in me because I was seeing the way people's lives were becoming better as a result of me learning something, applying it, and then teaching it to somebody else. So I can say that's the point where the shift happened in my life. And, and before, before that point, mm-hmm. it's, it's 2015. You just graduate with honors, and you you're thinking to yourself, "I, I have a dream." You, you literally have your uh, your own. I have a dream. Our uh, top of speech prepared, mm-hmm. and you're going from Kenya to Congo with a lot of enthusiasm, thinking, "I'm going to change the world." But then you 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 meet another reality in Congo. Job employment is not easy for you, even as a graduate, bilingual, fluent in both English and French, speaking slowly like you were born in Kenya, <laughs> and you still struggle to, to get a job. What was that moment like for you? Man, it was a struggle. <laughs> can't just say it was a struggle. Although I felt God was calling me to the ministry, mm-hmm. I didn't want to accept it. Mm. So the job market was not easy in the Congo. Yeah. Mind you, I looked for a job everywhere I knew of. And at some, at some point, you couldn't even get an internship. Yes, I could not. An internship, a simple internship in any company. I will get to the last stage and they will tell me, we don't take interns. So it was a struggle. You know, my story was so, difficult. Yeah, so how did you... I want, I want us to talk a little bit about mm-hmm. your mind shift mm-hmm. at that point. You you coming in like I want a job, but the job is not there. And then at some point we chatting and we talking, you 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 start thinking differently, in a sense where you're like, I'm not only going to be searching for a job here, I'm going to behave as if I already had a job. Mm-hmm. So you know you start waking up early and and all those things. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So the moment was was very difficult, not mm-hmm. getting a job. But if there is one thing that I hate with my whole heart is laziness. I hate being lazy. Mm. So I thought, well, I can fall on anything 
And if it's not the thing that I'm looking for, mm. it's the thing that will lead to the thing. Right. So I decided, well... Can you say that again? If it's not the thing that you're looking for... If it's not the thing that I'm looking for, mm -hmm. then at least it will be the thing that will lead to the thing. Mm. So I thought that I needed to embrace layered learning and I needed to get busy with my life. Talk about a little bit song about all that layered learning. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? Layered learning is that you do not become an expert in one field by just focusing on the field in a day mm. or in a week. Mm -hmm. Layered learning means that you take all your experience put together so you can accomplish some results. Mm. Layered learning will mean that maybe today you're learning oil, oil change and then tomorrow as you're speaking on leadership, you could build on that oil change to say that for the engine to function better, you've got to replace the oil that has been running, so you've got to renew your mind. So layered learning pushes you to embrace as many things, but then it produces the right results. So it's very much, if I understand this well, you, you talk about taking, learning as much as you can from different fields of your life or using your past experiences to get you to accomplish whatever you want. That's right. So in a sense where if if today, uh, uh, you know, you went to school to, to become an engineer, you started in electrical engineering in high school, and then you wanted to take a communication, and then you went into leadership and ministry uh, to some extent, you will use the layer learning, taking your engineering um, a career or experience, your electricity experience to serve you in whatever area field that you're using. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, if I can, just the way you've put it, right now I work in an administrative position mm. and people will ask me, how do you work and get things done so fast? Back in high school, I used to have a lot of homework. Mm -hmm. And that's built in me a kind of stamina that currently helps me at my job. Mm. And then in engineering, I learned to focus on one thing until you get it done. That's interesting. And then when I work in administrative position, what I do is that I don't embrace many things. Mm. So my layered learning led me to first develop stamina. Mm -hmm. Second, led me to focus on one thing until it gets done. So when I get to the current position, it is the various layers of experience that I've had in life that end up producing the kind of fruits that I'm currently reaping. So in other words, whatever experience we go through in life, we should not discount it because we never know where that experience is going to be useful. We never know. We <laughs> never know. You know, it's interesting. One time I, I was uh, uh, I was at a job and we, we were talking about how sometimes you, you can have people who have very bad processes, mm -hmm. you know, and we were talking about some jobs, how they're really bad, and you wonder what they can teach you. And a gentleman we're working with, he said, well, they can at least teach you not, how not to do a job, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or how not to build a company. So when you're talking about layered learning, sometimes you think about, oh, man, I, I don't think if anything good could have come out of this job or anything good could have come out of this company. But at least, you know, there is always a lesson to learn if we are willing, we are willing to, to, to dig into it.
Exactly. That's that's the best way that I'll put it. Yeah. So you talk about layer le learning uh, in 2015. Mm -hmm. You're starting that layer learning. Learning as much as you could. What are some of the stuff that you learn so that you're not just wasting your time and praying God for a job to come to your door some days? First, at that moment, I developed skills that are non-practical, like excellence. Mm. I decided that everything I will do, I'll do it excellently. Mm. I decided that I wasn't going to oversleep. Mm. And I decided that I was going to get busy. And that was way before you even, you even had a lot of a job inside at all. I did not have a job. Mm. In 2016, that's when I returned home because... After I graduated in 2015, I returned to Kenya so I could um, do a certification in um, Cisco networking. Mm -hmm. And then I returned home in 2016, and I wasn't getting a job, but I was getting myself busy. Mm. Busy with reading. I read a lot of books, especially on, on, on leadership, on personal growth and such things. Mm -hmm. And that kept me going. Mm. Although I didn't have a job, even applying for job for jobs <laughs> can be easy. <laughs> can, can, yeah, that, that. Because you had to like write a lot. Yes. I kept applying for further education and it, it just kept me going. And then one of the other things that had major impact on me that I did in those years was meeting with people. Mm. I believe people carry a lot of wealth. Mm -hmm. The people that I was hanging out with were not, I will say, a bunch of jobless people were complaining about their situation day and night. Mm. I met with people who had jobs in the evening and whenever there was an opportunity to learn or to assist someone doing something, the things that I attempted developed greater abilities in me. So we, we still talk about your layered learning mm -hmm. and you, you just open another parenthesis that can take us another, another few hours to, <laughs> to get through. You talk about meeting people, the importance of networking. How did that help you? How did that play up well in your life? Well, in, in the Congo first, I don't, I don't think it's in the Congo, just the Congo, but mm. the whole world, it's not always what you know, but it's as well who you know. Who you know, yeah, I agree. So uh, the, the people that I was meeting were working on various projects. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they would ask my assistants, well, would you help us translate this? Well, in my entire life, I never thought of myself as a translator. Sure, sorry, yeah. And the other people that I was, I was meeting were, telling me, were asking me questions like, can you do this on Excel? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can't, but I will. Mm -hmm. So I will learn things to help people. And while serving people, if we go fast forward, that is what got me my first job. Somebody noticed me working with someone and he said, no, I want that man on my team. Hmm. And I can, I can say that the people that I met led me to where I am today hmm. because they kept exposing me to several challenges that they faced. Mm -hmm. And while serving and helping them, I ended up learning and becoming the person that I am today. Hmm. So this, this, this very aspect of serving the people that, that came to me, hmm. people that had challenges, assisting them solve their challenges, helped me grow a lot. 
Now, let's go back a little bit about your, your layered learning. Uh, I'll have a, a question at the end because uh, there's a lot of people in your situation right now in Congo, not only in Congo, but also around the world that, uh, uh, you know, in countries where finding a job is, can be challenging. I usually tell my American friends that they are not McDonald's in Congo. It, it's just a way for me to say, you, when you don't have a job, you don't have a job. You really don't have one. And, and it's not like, oh, I'm going to do this and it's going to generate me some money. Sometimes there's nothing, nowhere, and nobody will take your application. No one will even call you back. Not even restaurants sometimes, they won't even call you back. And, and we're talking about a country where a lot of people live with under dollar a day about how the challenges can be there. And we, we talk a little bit about that, about what, what advice you could give to people who are in the situation where you were with the expensive degrees, but nothing, nothing to, to show for it. But returning to your layered learning, what are the, some of the stuff that you learned? You talk about excellency. Mm -hmm. You wanted to be excellent in everything that you did. You talk about not oversleeping. What are some other stuff that you intentionally decided to learn during that time? First, I believe I had to get my self-esteem in place. So I remember a story that is told. Uh, it's in it's in a in in a book by Victor Hugo. It's called Ninety Nine. Mm. So it's a tale of people that were on a ship, mm -hmm. and on that particular ship, there were a lot of waves that were beating the ship, mm -hmm. and. Inside the ship, there was a cannon that could like fire mm. from the ship mm. that got detached from the cock and it was hitting everywhere on the ship. Mm. Now, the sailors that were on that ship did not want to stay in their place of comfort where they could just grasp something and not move. Mm. They decided to go down in the cock, get the cannon back fixed and then went back to getting safe. Mm. And when they asked him the question, well, why didn't you just stay in one place and hold fast to something that was already on the ship that was being tossed back and forth? Mm -hmm. They said, well, if we stayed here, the cannon that was down in the cock was going to break the walls of the ship. Mm. Water was going to get inside and the ship would sink. Mm. So they thought, if we can fix the thing that is inside, we don't have to worry much about the waves that are outside. Mm -hmm. So when you're shaken and tossed by flows and waves and just you hit by life so hard, you shouldn't be worried so much about the waves. Mm -hmm. Be worried about the cannons that are unattached in you that could destroy things that will make you lose everything. So one of the first things that I started working on was my identity. By the way, that's, that's very profound what you just said. That's, that's very good. Yeah. So my identity was one of my greatest work. Mm -hmm. Trying to understand and tell myself that my identity is not dependent on the job that I get. Mm -hmm. It's not dependent on my degree. I am who I am because I am who I am. Mm -hmm. It doesn't uh, depend on outside factors at most. Right. And, of course, I read the Bible a whole lot, so I could understand that my identity in God. And why is that important? Why is it important to understand who you are while you're going through a, a storm like that? 
because storms tends to deform you mm. storms tends to give you an identity that you're not you mm. start believing you're not good enough mm. it's it's a job you're not getting but you're still good mm. you start believing well did i graduate with honors <laughs> especially well, in your case yeah <laughs> in my bilingual but this thing at some point i was like this english is not even getting me a job so mm-hmm. why did i even learn it mm-hmm. So it's it was a kind of doubt, self doubt, mm-hmm. and situations you will meet people who will be like, okay, you guys went to study outside, but you came back here, you're not getting a job. <laughs> we're seeing the same shows. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so unless you were established and well grounded on your identity, mm-hmm. you will tend now to embrace all kind of things and all kind of identities that that people could give you. Mm-hmm. That's very important and that was very important at that particular time because some of the things started getting to my head mm-hmm. and they affected me more than my jobless situation at a time. Mm. So getting my identity in place was very important, mm-hmm. doing self declarations. Mm. And that that pretty much got me seated where I was. That was the very first thing that I learned. And and at about the self declaration, we probably with your permission, if you mm-hmm. shared it with us, we we try to post it on on the unbounded growth and Instagram and Facebook page. Oh, by the way, we we are, we are on Facebook. Finally, we are on Facebook, <laughs> and and if you you can check us out on Facebook and, and and on Instagram as well as well as you know all the other platforms that are out there. Mm-hmm. But uh, that declaration, I remember. You sent me the type of declaration you're making for yourself every day. And I thought to myself, well, this is now the first page of my devotional. <laughs> you know, I wanted to just go back and review it. Why is it important to to have some type of declaration you make over yourself? What do you think that that, that does? Uh, what does what did that do to you as you read them? Okay, before answering that, uh, I want to credit i'll give credit where credit is due Mm -hmm. i remember looking at your story okay and and the struggles that you went with and you say that this is a practice that you embraced at some point to like have you um back on track Mm. so i thought if you did them then i can do them as well because some of the things were getting in my head and i decided to write out my declarations because I believe that the things that you keep confessing with your mouth, mm. your heart ends up believing. Mm. It's the same way if they keep telling you something, with time you end up believing that. Agreed, yeah. So I'll say instead of hearing somebody else's voice, I'll rather hear my own voice telling mm. me things that I want to be. Mm-hmm. And then at some point I'll tell you why making those declarations was very important for me is because whenever I started meeting situations, the first thing that I would think of would be those declarations. Mm. And I started becoming accountable to myself. Mm-hmm. So why would I believe that I'm terrible if I actually told myself I am good in the morning? Mm. Why would I do something with mediocrity mm-hmm. if in my declaration I say that I'm a person of excellence? And, and, and I remember in your declaration, there was something, something crucial that you talked about you said you are a person of integrity and then you face yourself in situation mm-hmm. where you attempted to compromise your integrity. How did that play out for you? 
I, I, were, I was in situations where I had an opportunity to get away with a lot of money <laughs> without anybody finding out. That's a very important factor right. because a lot of people say, I'm not a thief, but are you in a position where you can get away with money and nobody can find out? <laughs> so I was in situations where I had an opportunity to get away with a huge amount of money mm -hmm. and nobody will find out. Right. And I started remembering my declaration. I am a person of integrity who is faithful before God and man. Mm. And that was just some, something that just happened in my mind. I was like, mm. I cannot do this. This so, is not who I am. Mm. And who I am does not depend on how I am treated. Right. In all situations and circumstances, I am not a thief. I am a person of integrity. So to some extent, those declarations started shaping the type of identity that you wanted to build for yourself. Exactly. And you know the funny thing about those declarations? Mm. There are some things that uh, I wasn't Right. when I started making the declaration. I'll mm. give you an example. In my declaration, I say I am active and I am not passive. <laughs> well, in my nature, I am very passive. <laughs> I used to like... I was super lazy when I was a child. Yeah. I wouldn't eat myself. That story. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what. And then I am very. I was like naturally very passive. Yeah, I let things slide. When something is not good, I will tell you, "Well, this is not good, but tomorrow get it better." Mm -hmm. And I'll let I'll let it slide. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow I'll find you there and be passive about the same situation. Yeah. So when I started declaring on myself, I am not passive. I am active. Then I started meeting situations and I, I knew I was I am passive, but declaring that made me realize, man, I've got to become active mm -hmm. and not be pa passive. Now I became very proactive and very intentional. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that declarations did on me. Awesome. So you, you talk about the things that were, were you know, the, the canon inside mm -hmm. of the ship <laughs> that were disturbing you. One of them was identity. What's, what's the other one? Laziness. <laughs> Laziness. <laughs> Laziness. Um, I, I guess I got, I got lazy at some point. Mm. Uh, I started sleeping a lot. Uh, as soon as I as I hit back home and I wasn't getting a job, and then besides my identity, I decided, well, let me let me stop being lazy, mm. so I can become proactive mm. in doing things and getting things done. And I remember one of very old audio that you had, and you you're the one who actually recorded that, and the, and, and the subject was, what do you get done? So we shouldn't for uh, we shouldn't confuse movement for progress. Mm. You do a lot of movement, activity but very little for progress. activity for accomplishment. Exactly. Mm. So uh, I started becoming intentional. That was another thing that I needed to fight right mm. from the moment that I hit home. Mm -hmm. I was very hard working at university, but staying home kind of played a, a toll on me. Yeah, it, it definitely does. Yes, yeah. and then at some point I was like, I've got to beat this laziness before it beats me. <laughs> yeah, That's amazing. Uh, so you, you talk about the things that moved inside of you, so laziness and fixing your identity. Mm -hmm. And then you talk about the layered learning, about how you are learning a lot of things that were playing together for you. 
And there is a particular point where you launch yourself into entrepreneurship, learning how to write a business plan. How did that play out to where you are today? Well, at that moment, I just wanted to make money. <laughs> <laughs> that moment, I wanted to uh, to make money. But one thing that I learned during that time mm-hmm. is, number one, how to write well. Mm. And then number two, how to present my ideas in a way that people will understand mm. and want to be part of it. Mm. How does that play out for me right now? Well, the reason why I'm in the U.S. right now was because... I, I'm here for a training on briefing and presentation skills mm-hmm. because I do a lot of writing mm. for the place where I work at right now. Mm-hmm. So writing a lot became a byproduct of what I was doing when getting an entrepreneurship. Mm. I wasn't uh, writing business plans to learn how to write, but to get the money, to learn how to get money. Mm. But then the writing has benefited me immensely mm. currently at my, at, at my job. And then another thing that I, I learned during that moment of entrepreneurship is resilience. Mm. I'm very resilient. I don't just get <laughs> pinned down by situations because the business that, that I got myself into, I had a tomato firm. I lost a lot of money. I lost a lot of time. I, I didn't have a job. But during that time, I learned lessons that help me today. The resilience, definitely. Mm-hmm. I learned how to deal with people. Yeah. Because at the time, I was employing three people mm-hmm. in, in the farm. Right. And their mentality was terrible. <laughs> it was just, their, mentality, their mentality was terrible. So dealing with people, I understood. I learned how to deal with people mm-hmm. based on where they're at based on their level, not saying that I was better than them, but their way of thinking was different than my way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And if I had to employ those people that I needed at that particular place where the farm was, then I needed to get down to their language so we Mm -hmm. could speak the same language. language. Because at first I was too hurt on them. We were not speaking the same language, Mm -hmm. so we will never agree and we'll never get headed in the same direction. So um, that's one of the things I learned today. I learned to speak to speak people's language, so we can at least get things done. I mean, I think that's that's that that doesn't only play for people you employ, even in leadership. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you find that the vision that you're casting or whatever that you are putting out there for the people to embrace and follow is that people are not catching on it and, and learning to to speak the same languages of people is the only way companies companies move forward. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, this story about the Tower of Babel in the Bible. What the Bible says that where they spoke the same language, they kept on building and things were going higher. That's I think right. the, the, only, the only positive lessons actually <laughs> from that story has always been that. It's like because they worked together and mm-hmm. they spoke the same language, uh, the, the, the building and the, the project are going. Yeah. And I see, I see a lot of people in leadership positions that are definitely speaking different languages with the people they follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember this church who you and I attended and that we still, we're still very part of, even at a distance, what Toto Church in, right. in Kampala, Uganda. The first thing that struck me, I remember going to church one day and then 
the pastor, Pastor Gary, was like, oh, today we're going to... It wasn't actually Pastor Gary. It was our pastor... Chris Komagoo. Chris Komagoo. Chris goes like, oh, okay, let's let's repeat the vision for Toto Church. And I saw every single person, I mean, most people that day, mm-hmm. kept on repeating the vision. We are a, a multi-cell church, an English-speaking based cell church. I still remember some of those mm-hmm. words, but I was... I was impressed. And, and and I remember when I moved here, I'll just go to a meeting and I'll say, okay, so what's the vision of this organization? What's the vision of your company? And you you ask the stakeholders, four of them, and four of them will give you four different answers. <laughs> and, and I always thought to myself, how are we going to move in the same direction if all of us have different ideas about what we believe uh, the vision is, you know? And, and talking about that, I want us to, to close this little parenthesis right now. Mm-hmm. And we talk about something else, about those four years of struggle. With everything that you've learned and, and the opportunities, the blessings that God has given you right now, what would you tell people who are in that situation right now? Where they probably have an expensive degree, but they don't, they, they cannot secure a job, and regardless of what it is. Even McDonald is not calling them back. Mm-hmm. Or maybe to the person who couldn't, who didn't have the opportunities that you and I have to go abroad and study and, and learn certain things. And they don't even have money to go to college, especially in, in countries like Congo, India. You know, you're talking about Pakistan, where sometimes you have to pay out of pocket for your own education. What would you give, what would you tell the people who are finding themselves in that situation? I will say learn. Learn, as I said, layered learning. If you're learning something that's not the thing, then it's the thing that will lead to the thing. Mm. When you learn, it keeps you busy. Mm. But the things that you learn never go in vain. Mm. That's the the first thing. The second thing I'll say, don't give up. Mm -hmm. Don't give up on yourself. Mm. Like, there are hard times that exist, Mm -hmm. but don't give up on yourself. I'll summarize these in, the, in those two first lessons. Mm-hmm. But then the third and most important thing I believe is meet with people. Mm. Meet with, with, with people, it's important. And serve people. Service gets you way ahead. Mm. If you have an opportunity to go for an unpaid internship, use that opportunity and have a great attitude at work. Mm. That attitude maybe can get you the, the right kind of job maybe that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. But learn to serve people, serve organizations as you learn mm. to move towards where you feel you should get. Mm. Yes. Absolutely. So so learn, serve, and, and put yourself in positions where you can meet people yeah, and people meet can people, meet you. Meet people. Yeah, I think I think that's 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 pretty good. So let's turn your chapter here. Let's talk about your reading life. You you also just as much of a reader as I am, and you and I have really fallen in love into embracing embracing some reading. Let's let me start with this. What is one book that changed your perspective and your life in so many things, uh, uh, other than the Bible? I know <laughs> no most pastors <laughs> we always tell me the Bible, you know, you know, other than the Bible. I know the Bible is, is really has a, a great impact on you and I, but other than the Bible, what are some of the books that that really changed your life, and what what could you say about them? Well, a lot of books, a lot of books. But if I can mention some, um, there's this book by Ben Carson, Gifted Hands. Yeah. 
was the first English book I ever got on my hand. Samir. <laughs> but I, I looked at this man. I, I don't believe there is anybody stupid, but he was stupid. <laughs> and at least the story tells yeah, it in the book. <laughs> he tells it in the book. He was like, I, I was, I was stupid. Yeah. And he even tells the story of when he was in a classroom, and then they said, well what is the most stupid thing on earth? And one of his friends said, well, I don't know what that is, but I think that's bad. <laughs> but then you look at the way this man became a very gifted surgeon, mm. separating a lot of conjoined twins mm. and just doing brain surgeries. It was incredible. Mm -hmm. So that book literally changed my life because... You know the neighborhood in which we grew up yes. while, while, while growing up. Mm. And let me say, we didn't grow up having a lot of money, mm -hmm. but our parents really, really, really worked on us. Mm. So our mentality, a lot of people will think we had a lot of money, yep. but we did not. Mm -hmm. Our parents just put in the right kind of attitude in us and all. But still the neighborhood and the realities that we were facing mm -hmm played it all on us. Mm -hmm. So when we were in Uganda, you remember we used to struggle. At some rice, point, rice we didn't have beans. enough food. <laughs> rice and beans every day. And yeah, Kenya. So when, when you look at books like Gifted Hands, mm -hmm. you see a person who literally had nothing in life, mm -hmm. but is able to embrace learning and learning changes his life. Mm -hmm. So I thought, if Ben could learn this to become who he is today, then I believe I need to read. So I can as well learn because... In his book, he talks a lot about his mother sending him to a library. Hmm. And then by learning, he ended up becoming great. So and forcing, that's a book for, that changed my life. Forcing them to read. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I read that book before you. And of course, I was already learning English by that time, mm -hmm. which I'm still impressed today. It took me nine months to learn English and at least to become fluent enough to go to college. It took you five months. I've never never figure out how you did that and and i remember reading that book and um this one statement you just you just paraphrase bern carlson says if i can read i can learn anything that's right and and i think that's what started to some extent the reading journey for us our journey of reading started there it started right there and uh every day was like oh man uh what's what's the next book you're reading and that uh what about leadership you, you, <laughs> no, th th this is a funny story, right? I used to get jealous of you and dad because I used to think that you guys had had this natural ability to lead people. I remember when you became the president of our little cell back home, uh, Yabeli and I had been, uh, Yabeli, our big brother, had been uh, leading that cell for, for, for quite some time. And, you know, we, we had gotten like the good old dog, like, you know, we get by and, and do some things. And then you take over and you bring this radical change without ever having read a single book on leadership. How did that play out for you? How did you learn about leadership? And at what point exactly did you think, man, I think I can, I can do this and I can lead people? Well, that's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's a tough question because first, I didn't know anything about leadership. It's not even a word that I ever heard hmm. uh, back then in the years. But I feel first, leadership was modeled for me by my dad. Hmm. I saw him get things done even when he didn't have the money to get things done. Mm -hmm. 
but by motivating people, right? Mm. So I, I was a dictator. I can't <laughs> way, kind of dictator leader. I, I remember but they used to call you Mobutu. <laughs> they used to call me Mobutu because I was like, guys, we have to do this and we will do it. <laughs> and one of the things that I identified in me from very long time is that when I decide to do something, we'll do it. Mm. And one of the things that helped me in my position then as a cell leader mm. was that I had a vision. Mm. Thinking about it now, I didn't know what a vision was, mm -hmm. but I had a vision of what I wanted us to get done mm. and what I wanted us to do. Mm -hmm. And when I had the vision, the provision followed. Mm. We didn't have money. We were like students. We were broke. Yep. But the activities that we organized, they took a lot of money and they helped us. Mm. So I will say, one thing that is very important is have vision. Mm -hmm. And from my younger age, I think I've always been a visionary. Mm -hmm. So my manner tells me that there are three types of people. Mm -hmm. There are visionaries, there are organizers, and there are implementers. Mm -hmm. Visionaries... Where would you pull me? You're both a visionary and an organizer. That's, that's flattering me. <laughs> All right, keep, keep on going. Yes. So you so say visionary, a visionary, organizer, and implementers. And implementers. Yes. Implementers are very good at, well, I saw this and that happened in that cell. Mm -hmm. There were people that were, when they had to implement things, they will implement they get it done. very mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. Well, visionaries see a lot, but they're not very good at implementation. Mm -hmm. But they want you to get things that they're seeing Done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, organizers take the vision that the visionary has and they organize it in such a way that implementers can implement it. That's interesting. You know, I never thought about those three layers because when you really think about it, all of them are leaders in their own terms, right? That's right. Visioneers, organizers, right. and implementers are leaders in their own terms. But I just, I, I, I don't think I ever made that connection. That's, that's really beautifully put. And um, so where do you think, you, you, you fall into the visionary, obviously, mm -hmm. but what, what's the other strength you have out of the two? Which one do you feel more comfortable with? I'm an organizer. I hate implementing. <laughs> <laughs> I can get you the strategy to get things done, but then I will have a team of people that we just implement. <laughs> I hate being an implementer. So it's, it's just not my strength mm -hmm. because I'm an introvert right. and, and I am not people-oriented. Mm -hmm. So naturally, you mean naturally? Yeah, I. It's not that I don't love people, mm -hmm. but when I'm out with people, I feel drained, mm -hmm. and I can't wait to get alone so I can recharge. Mm -hmm. I love people. Mm -hmm. I love doing things with people, but in my nature, it drains me. Mm -hmm. Then this is one of the things in which I have to put in some effort as well, just being out with people. So. I am a visionary, and then on the other hand, I am an organizer. That's pretty much my strength at work right now. Mm -hmm. They get me on a seat, then I get to work and organize things mm -hmm. in such a way that it can be implemented. It can be implemented. And one of the mistakes that people make is that they try to be what they're naturally not. Mm -hmm. And they push so much that they neglect their very strength. And... Uh, in my journey, leadership, I understand it now, but I, I never understood it then. Mm. So how I got things done, vision, 
organization. Mm. Who does what get things done? Mm. Yeah. That's that's, that's I can put it. Man, that's interesting that you are you uh, and thank you for sharing that. It's it's important or maybe uh, interesting to look at that aspect of things that I never I never really thought about in that in that in that aspect. So uh, let's let's land with this. And I know if you and I sit here, we we're going to sit here for a few oh, hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so let's let's land with this. Um why do you think a lot of organizations struggle to achieve their potential? It's like in America, for example, mm-hmm. there are thousands of small businesses created every single year, and then thousands of them as well are closed every single year. Mm-hmm. Why do you think organizations struggle as a visionary? What do you think that is? I'll think first the vision. Mm-hmm. I always believe that provision follows vision. Mm-hmm. If there is no vision, the provision runs away as well. Right. So your vision got to be very well articulated mm-hmm. in such a way that and the employees, mm-hmm. yourself, you have to understand it first. Mm-hmm. Your people have to understand it mm-hmm. and they have to be able to pass it on to pass it on to other people. Mm-hmm. That's very important. So vision is very important. Mm. Apart from the vision, I believe another reason why we fail, sometimes we give up too quickly. Mm. And uh, you've got to be resilient. Mm-hmm. One, one of the things that you've got to know is that if you start something, mm. the very first probability or the most obvious probability is that it's going to fail. Yep. Unless you're intentional, mm-hmm. unless you were uh, resilient, unless you were ready to fight, mm-hmm. a lot of people fail. Mm-hmm. A lot of people fail at that. And then not only having the vision, but communicating it to people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very important. So it depends on what kind of business you have. Maybe mm-hmm. your business is client-oriented, or most businesses are client-oriented. Mm-hmm. Is it a product that you're selling or a service that you're selling? Mm. Your vision helps stakeholders understand what you stand for, Mm. what you're ready to do, and what you're not ready to do. Mm. So if that is well articulated, you will know the people that you serve. Mm. Another reason why a lot of things fail is because you focus on profits, not on service. Mm. When you focus on profits, most of the times... If people can't find how it's helping them, mm-hmm. then it's definitely going to fail. So focusing on service, on service. instead of profit. Yes. And, and profit follows service. Yes. By serving, you end up getting profits. Mm. Yes. That's, a, That's a how I'll, I'll put it. In two major um, two major reasons for, uh, for the downfall of many organizations. Absolutely. Vision, and then most of them focus on profit rather than service. Mm-hmm. And then the people that you hire to, <laughs> people, people are the most important asset you'll ever have. So people, just make sure you get the right people on board. I agree. You know, I, I read a book about Patrick, Patrick Licone, who where he talks about it doesn't matter how great of a coach you are, if your players suck, you're not going to win championship. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it's it's right. just a reality. So the you people, know, yeah. the people. <laughs> and on the people, the attitude as well, they have to be... Uh, Team players. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing a story a few days ago of a very good um, uh, soccer player. Mm-hmm. 
who was very good in the team of France, I believe. And then when when a coach came, he told him, you are the best player, mm. but the team is better without you. Wow. And he kicked him out. I believe the next championship, mm. they won. Wow. He was the best player, but the team was, was better without, without him. him. Mm. Why? Because you've got to watch on the people that you get first in leadership position, mm -hmm. and then you have to watch on the people that you get on the organization. They've got to have the right attitude, and they've got to play team, and they've got to follow and be behind the vision. If everybody has their vision in the organization, it's not, it's not gonna it's do not great. Gonna yeah. it's, it's, it's not gonna be great. So you can be the best, hmm. but there are teams that could be best without you. Absolutely. So uh, watch out for that. All right. So I end up with this with this section. Uh, three books that you recommend. Top three. Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. First, Gifted Hands is mm -hmm. one of the other books that I'll recommend. Leadership. Leadership. Yeah, Leadership 101, I believe. Leadership 101. <laughs> yeah. Is, is there a book like that? John Luxor? I don't it? know. Yeah, I think I, I think so. Uh, developing the leader within you. Developing the leader yeah, within that, you. Yeah, that, that was the title of the book. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It's a book I recommend all time. Okay, if money was not a problem, where would you live? <laughs> I got to check with my fiance. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have a choice over that. No, let's 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 take her a little bit out of the picture. If it's it's on you, like where would you live personally? I love the Congo. Love the Congo. I love the Congo. If money wasn't a problem, I'll probably go in the mountains of the Masisi and, mm -hmm. and live around there. But I'll still need contact with people mm -hmm. because if money wasn't a problem, I still need to train people and help them reach their full potential. So mm -hmm. Congo. Some mountains. <laughs> if you aren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? Probably be a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I I am a teacher. Right. Oh man, maybe I'll be a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> Just I love animals. Are, I love really animals. love animals. Yeah. Maybe I'll be a farmer. Yes. Yeah, you, farmer. you remember those uh, those fifteen dogs we used to have growing oh, up? A lot of them. And you won't even believe that I don't like animals anymore. It's like <laughs> when uh, Plamedi tells me, oh, you when know, we need to get... <laughs> I have no idea. But at some point, I was just like, yeah, animals are just not my thing. So every now and then when I'm talking to my friends around here, a lot of Americans, of course, love animals and all that. I'm always going like, can we talk about something else? <laughs> because, yeah, animals are just are just not not my thing. Oh, yeah. All right. The, uh, the very last one. Mm -hmm. uh, let's finish up with this. If there's one thing you could change in the world, where would it be? The state of the Congo. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 very, that's very interesting. Yeah, I believe in my country, so I, I, I wish I could change the mentalities of the people. You know, Zef, it's, it's, uh, you, you're just reminding me of one time we were in Uganda, and I believe we, we, you know, a cell small group in Uganda, they asked the same question. And then you said in 2011, you said I didn't want Kabila to be president anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that? 
<laughs> now that you mentioned the state of the Congo, the mentality of the people, it just, you know, brought back that memory where you're like, well, you know. Well, if he's no longer in power, maybe the mentality of the people is also going to change. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's interesting. Zef, uh, any any closing remarks that you would like to give before before we let you go for today? Until of course next time, and then we we also try to to get you on the recording for for this season since we're talking about the mind. Mm-hmm. And I know you've had a lot of mind shift in, in your life. You've also read uh, as a man thinketh, which we pretty much the book, the first book that we are discussing this okay. season. So any any closing remarks before before we get going? Uh, be who you are. Be who you are and be who God has called you to be. Don't, don't be who you are because <laughs> it's, it's, that statement can get crazy. Mm-hmm. You, you can think you're anything, mm-hmm. but just be who God has called you to be. Mm-hmm. And you are at your best when you're authentic to the core. Mm-hmm. Don't try to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's my closing thought. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, it's with this thought that we'll be finishing today's episode. As you can tell, Zeph and I were really thrilled to uh, sit down here in, in, in our recording space here in Dallas just to talk about a bit about his journey, the struggle that he's had as, uh, you know, moving from one country to another, struggling to find a job at the what we wanted to get out of it today. I know it's it's a very lengthy conversation that we can have. And we hope in the future, when God again opens the door and he has an opportunity to come here, we discuss more about leadership. Jeff and I share, even Adam, we all share a great passion about leadership, serving people, and how we can use our talents and our, our gifts to change and to make the humanity better. It is with this that we'll be finishing up today. Our next episode we hear next Tuesday, as always. And uh, please tune in. We are on YouTube. If you are listening to us on YouTube, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and the like button. Or if you're listening to us on your favorite podcasting platform, don't forget as well to, to follow us there. It's the way that supports us and goes a long way. Again, we always take contribution. If you want to support the work that Unbounded Growth is going, is doing all the work and all the contribution that you're giving goes toward funding the education of kids. Actually, Zef is one of our sponsors who has been helping us a lot to send some kids to school. we supporting three kids around right now in the Congo, always looking for some more money so that we can support more kids and um, change more lives in Congo and around the world. It is with that that we'll be finishing. Zef, thank you so much for having been here. Thank you for having me. It was really an honor and uh, I hope this won't be the last time. The pleasure is all mine. And if you do speak French as well, don't forget to check out his podcast, Juhuni Podcast, J-W-N-I, that means higher in Swahili. Uh, don't forget to check it out. It's on Spotify, or Stitcher, uh, Amazon Music, I believe uh, Google Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts as well. You can find it on there and uh, give it a follow, give it a like and give it a subscribe. With that being said, God bless you and you have in a basic week. Bye-bye.